This is Jared Fishman, and you're listening to the 20-Sided Gamified Podcast. The past 20 years, I've blended games and education together in the classroom. I'm a history teacher, a game-based learning specialist, and I serve on the board of HMGS NextGen Inc. and the North American Simulations and Games Association. I'm looking to broaden my own knowledge of game-based learning by talking to the people that do it best. Pull up a chair, get your dice ready, and enjoy the ride. All right. Good morning, friends. Hello. Uh, this is Jared here from the 20-Sided Gamified podcast. And uh, this is a little new, a little bit of a new format. Um, this is called a Friendscast or Friendcast. I don't know. I haven't decided if I'm going to add that S or not. Whatever. It's number one. Um, what is it? So what's different about this format um, is I'm going to bring on people that are my legitimate friends, meaning people I know, people I've gamed with, people I'm close with. Um, we're going to come on together, usually for 45 minutes to an hour. And what we're going to do is we are going to tackle a different topic every time we do one of these pots. Some of them will be really whimsical. Some of them will be serious. It really kind of depends on what we've been talking about. And, and what I want you to think about is the tone of these podcasts are going to be kind of like you're done with the game. Maybe you're at the local watering hole. I don't know. In the case of Kelly McManus, maybe you're having tea with him. Um, you're somewhere and you're digesting the game and something comes up. And by the way, we're on Zoom. He just held up his teacup. So that just goes to show you that I know him. Um, and you just kind of shoot the breeze, right? You talk about a particular topic and that is the vibe that we're going for on these Friendcasts or Friendscasts. Okay. All right. Now, before we get into a little bit of a monologue and just give you a sense of what the topic is today, I want to plug someone. All right. Um, if you go on Instagram right now, um, what I want you to do is look up my dear friend, wonderful artist, uh, Matt Rendar. Matt Rendar, um, he is a uh, veteran. He's a retired uh, NYPD detective, uh, does sketch work, um, or he did sketch work. Um, and he is an artist who started a essentially almost like a business, like uh, an artistic business, I guess you could call it, uh, called Battle Tribe. And what he does is he does digital art. He'll um, make all kinds of really cool t-shirts. Um, some of them have a military theme. Some of them don't. Um, he's amazing. He's the guy who did uh, the logo for this podcast. So check him out. Check out his store. Check out the things that he, um, that he does. Uh, feel free to shoot him a DM. He's always really good about responses. And uh, Matt, if you're listening out there, thanks so much for doing the logo. And I hope that people come and flock to your business. Um, and by the way, just remember, go on Instagram and look up Matt Rendar. All right. So here we go. The topic for today. Um, the topic is, is your choice of war game or army or role-playing character a reflection of you? Okay. Now, a um, little bit of a monologue here. All right. Everybody knows that I love music. I'm a huge metalhead. I'm a huge fan of the band Slayer. Now, if you've never heard Slayer before, which if you're a youngin', that might be the case. Um, if you go to Spotify or you go to any streaming service, you're going to see one of their most, their most famous songs is a song called Angel of Death, right? And um, it's one of the most badass songs they ever wrote. Um, it's really like 
one of the marquee thrash metal songs. And in fact, it comes off of uh, Rain and Blood, which is usually the number one thrash metal record written of all time. It's usually um, either that or Master of Puppets from Metallica. Here's the thing, though. If you start to read the lyrics of Angel of Death, what you'll quickly find out, depending on uh, how astute you are when it comes to your reading, um, it's about Joseph Mengele, right, who's the angel of death, right, who was the sort of Nazi doctor at um, Auschwitz, who is just literally a horror show. Like, I won't even talk about the things that he did, right, in his life. Um, that's what the song is about, right? And then on top of that, um, if you read about the band, right, Jeff Hanneman, who was the, you know, he's deceased now, but he's the guy who wrote that song. And again, it's some of the most amazing riffs you'll ever hear. He was totally obsessed with Nazis, right? I mean, this guy had Nazi memorabilia in his house. But if you ask him, he would say, I'm not a Nazi. Like, I don't think that the things that these guys did were good. But the bottom line is, um, I, I'm fascinated by it. I like the macabre. I like dark, evil stuff. And I'm going to write a song about it. And either you're going to listen to it and like it or you're not. So... I want to build a bridge from that to, again, the topic, right? Because when it comes to historical wargaming or even sci-fi fantasy wargaming or even role-playing, a lot of times we're making conscious choices about the armies we play or the time periods that we enjoy, the kind of characters we play. And my question to my two guests who I'm now, they've been waiting so patiently, right? I'm going to introduce my two guests now from um, one of my favorite wargaming groups that I'm part of. Um, these are two friends that wargame in northern New Jersey. Um, we've got Kelly McManus, and he'll introduce himself in a moment, and Steve Pellegrini. So again, um, we, I wouldn't say that we game every week, but we've played uh, many a game to, get over, to game together over the last few years. So again, I'm going to pose this question to them. Is your choice of war game or time period that you like or role-playing character a reflection of you? That's the topic for today. Kelly, do you want to start? You want to tell people uh, who you are, sir? Yeah, yeah, I'll start. Um, so my name is Kelly McManus. Um, I'm a sometimes adjunct professor at William Patterson University, um, but primarily I work for the County of Passaic in northern New Jersey, uh, part of their Dep Department of Cultural and Historic Affairs. Um, if you are knowledgeable of northern New Jersey, there's a number of Washington's headquarters locations. Uh, I've principally worked at the Dye Mansion, uh, Washington's headquarters, as a museum attendant where I did basically all the tours, all the event programming, um, kind of like the front of the organization uh, or the front man of the organization. But I have kind of moved on into, uh, into the more administration roles of that department. Um, so that's fun. And uh, I'm going to plug NextGen. Um, I'm also the director of communications for HMGS NextGen, which I pride myself on. You could uh, you could actually <laughs> see that in my Instagram handle. I threw that in there if you haven't. No, seen. indeed. Also, I just love how much more professional you are than I am. <laughs> That's why you're director of communication. <laughs> there we go. Clearly. Um, hey, Steve. You want to introduce you yourself? I'm yeah, doing really absolutely. well, man. Uh, good to be here. First of all, first time on the podcast. So I just want to thank Jared for that. Uh, I am a colleague of Kelly's. We met in grad school uh, back in the good old days. It's kind of hard to think that that was like five or six years ago now at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> what a ride it's been, right, Kelly? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am also an adjunct history professor uh, at William Patterson. So I teach history as an educator. 
uh, lifelong history enthusiast, uh, just uh, overall military history fanatic. Uh, I've collected toy soldiers for most of my life. Um, had a friend very early on that was influential in introducing me to the hobby, and his father was in the military and, and collected the classic William Britton's toy soldiers and had glass cases full of them and uh, was absolutely a huge influence on my life. So I've been lucky that I've been able to translate my interest into a career. But wargaming is definitely my my true love and and one of my only hobbies. I've had other hobbies in the past. I've reenacted, but wargaming has always been my my true love. So very happy to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. By the way, when did you guys start gaming? I don't know who wants to take that, but when did you guys actually start playing? Uh, I mean, I could start because it's. I have a perfect segue into Stevens. Oh, I see. Well, the word "perfect" is great, so yeah, yeah go for it. So, um, I started. So, I guess in my my educational journey, uh, I ended up looking at William Patterson uh, University to finish out my master's in history, and I remember going into the office to meet with the head of the the program at the time, and lo and behold, there's this. You know, other than the professor sitting in the room, there's this kid in the corner on his Alienware laptop. <laughs> his life's um, never been the same. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm financially ruined because of this man. <laughs> um, but lo and behold, it's Stephen, um, the professor who I was talking to. You know, I, I kind of shared some of my interests uh, in Prussian history, which I'm sure we'll get more into as this goes on. Um, but you know, me and Stephen kind of hit it off, and I start. You know, I eventually attend this school and um, we start talking and Stephen eventually shares that he is into wargaming and something I never knew really existed. I mean, I knew it existed, but I didn't know like where, where it happened. I didn't know like if it was still a thing or not. Uh, and he's like, hey, we're, we're doing Napoleonics. <laughs> Do you, would you want to like join in on this? So I kind of sat in on a game and then uh, I went home and bought uh, a lot of Landwehr. <laughs> I, I was actually very happy about that because you you all know as war gamers that you pitch your hobby to people and nine times out of ten it usually comes to nothing. They they say they're interested, they'll they'll look into it and nothing ever happens. But I was the grad assistant at the time for the history department. So one of my jobs was to help this professor get people interested in the grad program because they were having enrollment issues and it's a very long story. But when I heard Kelly come in, he's a young guy and express interest in, in Prussian military history, I knew instantly that this guy was a great candidate for wargaming and, and might as well pitch it because at that time, I had just started wargaming with some of my reenacting friends. So we were open to introducing new people. And I could tell from the beginning that Kelly was a stand-up guy. We all know that. So uh, it, it really just took, and I, I'm shocked and, and delighted at how enthusiastic Kelly has embraced the hobby. Also, I love how you just jumped into the deep end. I mean, you want to talk about like one of the most engrossing and like um, trying to find the right word here. I can't even find the right word. It's just an unbelievably engrossing time period to wargame. 
So yeah, it's a deep dive. <laughs> how did that feel for you, Kelly? I mean, were you overwhelmed at first or? No, like I kind of got into it really like easily, I think. Um, so like my, my going into grad school, my focus was kind of on the uh, social, political and military reforms of Prussia um, and defining what that what that meant as terms of like a social military history. Um, so other than like finding what companies to buy things from and like what the entire hobby encompassed, because my background, like when I was a kid, I got, I collected like toy soldiers. Um, I still have some of my old armies in plastic world war one guys and 54 mil. Um, so like, I, I'm not foreign to the idea of playing with toy soldiers, right? Like that's always been a part of my identity growing up. Um, but kind of jumping back into it and like, oh, there are games you can play and there are rules and people do this and they paint things, you know, there, there's all these social artistic aspects that throw, you know, throw it all in together. Um, I found it easy. I just need to know like what basing was. I remember like texting Steven a lot, like, Hey, like how am I basing these guys? How am I going to base? Like, what does this all mean? What, what constitutes a unit? Um, uh, but once kind of, once seeing an action and doing it, 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 seemed really easy. I didn't realize I was deep diving into the the black void of Napoleon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. It is kind of like a black hole. And even like more difficult is finding the right rule set, right? Which oh, I know yeah. the three of us have talked about many times, right? Now, um, again, like before we kind of get into the topic, even though Kelly, I think in that response, like I, I, I definitely feel like, like, you know, elements of the response that you just gave, like definitely touches on the topic. So clearly like, you know, you bought landware, right? Yeah. So clearly something about enjoying Prussian history, it's like immediately you make the beeline to the figures of what you're studying. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting, right? But I have a uh, – even though I kind of know a little bit about this, you guys seem to have really an eclectic taste of different kinds of games, right? So for the viewers out there that um, might benefit from your wisdom and knowledge, what do you guys play besides Napoleonics now? What are your go-tos? I you guess want to, you want to start, Kelly. I'll, I'll let you take it, Stephen. You you <laughs> you've got more eclectic tastes. Well, this is kind of where the conversation veers into: Do we have a problem? We've always joked around about War Gamers Anonymous and how we all have lead addictions, <laughs> and I think every single War Gamer can sympathize with that to some degree or another. But I mean, we do. I we really. Our war games run the gambit of ancients through medieval, through black powder, even World War One and World War Two, which is why when people ask me, do you have a favorite period to war game in and what are your specific interests? It's actually a pretty difficult question for me to answer. I think I have different interests depending on whether you're doing skirmish wargaming, whether you're doing big battle. I think certain scales are better suited to certain periods, but I think that in itself is kind of a reflection of our general interest in the history of conflict because warfare has been a, a prescient feature in the human experience from the very beginning. It is our darkest uh, attribute as human beings, and and it's it, it represents the worst excesses of of who we are. I mean, I I know that's kind of deep, but <laughs> it is, and it's always been part of the human experience. So, if you're interested in conflict and warfare specifically, why this happens, 
what does it say about us? I, I, I think it's kind of hard to pin that to like one period. And there are people that are very much interested in, let's say, the Napoleonic Wars because of the mass scale of the battles. They're interested in the uniforms. They're interested in the person of Napoleon. Fascinating guy, obviously. Uh, there's a movie coming out about him very soon. So I think my interest is in conflict in general. And I, I definitely have interests within that. I love the, the ancient period. I love pre-modern warfare, but, um, you know, I love modern warfare too. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah. I mean, I, I think like as a group, we all kind of, um, what's the right word? We, we all shift, right? Kind of like how you said, like there's certain rule sets or there's certain things that we all have like an itch for uh, that we're trying to scratch. Um, and, you know, maybe we look for that in what we know. Uh, maybe there's like something new that we just want to research or something new that we find out like, oh, what's this, right? And then, and then gaming it will help us kind of learn more and delve deeper into those topics and learn about the personalities and, and what's going on at the time. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, personally, like I don't have as as a large collection as you do. Um, being being kind of the younger one in this hobby <laughs> by a few years. By a few years, um, Kelly is a youngin for everybody out there. Yeah, yeah. I'm the old man here, but <laughs> Kelly is definitely the youngin. But I mean, in terms of like my personal collection, right? Start with Napoleonics, right? We got the Civil War, we have Revolutionary, Seven Years' War. So we have a lot of those like 18th century, early 19th century. Um, Field armies. I know right now I'm finishing painting like Vikings for Dark Ages. Uh, we have DBA armies that are kind of like our, our um, like, hey, I don't want to spend a lot of money into something, but I still want to have that taste of in the interest and in researching this little thing at a, at a cheaper cost. Um, and right now, like, I think our group is kind of like in a Dark Age kick right now with like the fall of Rome or just antiquities. So yeah, I don't know. It's it, we're we're very eclectic. I guess that's, you, that's the point of it. And you guys yeah. are playing a lot of DBA right now, right? Because I know that you've sent some photos out to our little Discord, and they yeah. look great. By the way, is that do you, are you guys both painting armies for that, or is just one of you painting them? I'm well, about to oh, paint ahead. a new one. And um, what were you going to say, Steve? No, I was just going to say we have um, two periods that Kelly and I have covered. I I found out about the game a long time ago. There was this other group that. I used to play with and this older guy um, was raving about it and just how, you know, every army was 12 bases and you can play it on a two foot by two foot board. And as Kelly was just saying, you can if, if there's an army that you don't want to spend two hundred dollars on, like, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, early Libyans or something, but you're kind of interested in ancient Egypt and some of those early conflicts. You could spend $40, get a DBA army for it, and scratch the itch yep. without really diving fully into it. We have, um, as Kelly was saying, we did Dark Ages. He has Vikings. I have pre-feudal Scots. And we also did Teutonic Knights and early Russians. So those are the two periods that we have armies for now. But 
Kelly, you were saying you have other. Yeah, I was looking uh, at the army lists. I'm looking at doing early feudal um, Polish or one of the early um, Holy Roman Empire armies or both. No, that's cool. See how many figures I have laying around. Very colorful figures, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can have. That's what I, I, that's why I always like painting like medievals in particular, because you can just kind of go crazy with different kinds of color colors and, and such, you know. Mm-hmm. So. It's a great game for that, but it's also a, a dangerous. Uh, it's a, it's a very slippery slope. We'll just yeah. put it that way. No, for sure, for sure. And by the way, for our viewers out there, I'll plug DBA for a second. Um, and I know I've talked about this game on the pod before. DBA is great because it was written in the early '90s. There's been a million iterations of it. Um, but what's great about it, and what Stephen's talking about, is the fact that. Every army basically has 12 elements. It might be a little different now where maybe like it might be depending on what kinds of troops you have, it might be up and down. But the bottom line is it's a game where you don't need a lot of stuff. You play on a really small board and it's a great gateway uh, into wargaming. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. This is kind of the whole point of of this particular podcast because it's come up a couple of times, right? So it's funny like uh, when you have multiple educators in the room. So, Stephen, your point earlier about warfare being so macabre but being such a important part of really like I hate to say it this way, but like what it means to be human, right? I literally say to my students every year, it's like we've been fighting since people came out of the caves, you know, picking rocks up and hurling them. And I always say – I don't know why people do that. I don't know the psychology of that, right? Or in an anthropological sense, like why it is that we do that. But the bottom line, it is something that happens, right? And what we have done, I'll play devil's advocate for a second. And what we have done is we've taken the worst part of humanity and our, I guess you could say, young lives are based around playing games about it, right? So, right? So I I don't, now here's the thing, right? I rarely talk on this podcast, but this is one time a well, and this is why the two of you are really on the spot here, because here's the thing. For me, I've been doing this as long as I can remember. So my dad is a war gamer. I can remember him painting Napoleonics. I didn't even know what they were, but I knew I wanted to do it, right? So I have a real problem with this question because, and I hope this makes sense, I don't know what draws me to it anymore. It's just, it's almost like trying to describe, like, why is somebody your best friend? I don't know. Like I have a, you know, I have friends that I met in kindergarten and still talk to, and I can't tell you why it is that I still still spend time with them. It's just one of those things that's sort of um, integrated into you, I guess, right? So, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to answer this question. The one thing I'll start by saying, though, is, and I don't know how you guys are, and we might all have different opinions about this. I'm a pretty nonviolent guy. Like I, you know, anybody who knows me, I do have a little bit of a temper with certain, certain topics, but the bottom line is like most people kind of look at me as kind of the bearded teddy bear, right? Like I don't want to bother anybody, you know, when it comes to studying military history, I don't like killing, right? But there's something about combat. There's something about the way that wars connect to politics and politics connects to economics as an educator, where I, I feel like you kind of can't study those other topics without studying kind of the warfare element, right? Mm-hmm. And as a gamer, I don't necessarily know that if I'm going to play like an ACW game, right? For those of you out there, American Civil War, right? If I'm going to play an American Civil War game or I'm going to play an American Revolution game, I think what drives me a bit, right, is how does the style of those wars impact the way the game plays, right? So mm. I, I'll start there. Now, Stephen, 
has his finger up, which means yeah. he is ready to make a point. So let's get this ball rolling, right? Is 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 this genre, warfare, wargaming, what army you play, how much of it is a reflection of you? Steven, go. Well, I think one thing I'll start by saying is, is you could kind of compare it to why people are interested in horror films you know, ghastly, uh, gory films that, that none of, I mean, none of us would ever dream of being in situations like that, but people like watching horror films. Why is that? I think part of the human condition is to be curious about things that are extreme or scary or things that we don't understand. And I think you made a good point, Jared, when you said that you're very nonviolent, very non-confrontational. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I think most people are nonviolent. So because it's something that's alien to us, maybe that could be a reason that we're interested in it. But another thing I'll bring up is one of the members of our wargaming group and I'll plug his reenacting group because I know he would love me to do that. And they're always looking <laughs> do it. <laughs> it's John Van Vliet of the 35th Regiment of Foot. They do Revolutionary War British reenacting, but they do the reenacting of the regiment through its history. Him and I were talking about this. Why on earth are we obsessed with military history? He's a reenactor and a war gamer. I'm a reenactor and a war gamer. What is it about this that keeps drawing us to conflict? And he actually made a really good point. I want to see what your opinions are of this. It's the coordination of human effort. Nothing represents coordination, organization, channeling effort into a unified goal more than warfare. I mean, where else do you see hundreds of thousands, even millions of people being channeled into one effort? And as someone with OCD, literally, I think the the uniforms, regiments, organization, command structure is something that's very interesting to me. So maybe it's not the conflict at all. That's interesting. Maybe it's the coordination of effort and organization and leadership that interests us. Yeah. Kelly, what say you? Yeah, I, I was kind of jotting down some quick notes uh, as you guys were talking. So um, diligent. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, from my experience, I, I kind of summarized it into four sections. One is upbringing. Um, I think if if you're going to have an interest in military history and in wars and, and, you know, grand politics, there probably needs to be some sort of influence from like a parental aspect of it or, or, you know, wherever you'd get that. So for like me personally, like, and I tell this to everyone and I, and I, and I kind of joke about this, but uh, what saving private Ryan came out in 1998, I think, or 1999, I was born in 1992. I saw that movie in theaters I don't know if that's good parenting or bad parenting, but I've been dealing with the consequences of that ever since. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, so for me growing up, like seeing war films, like Gettysburg was constantly on it. Like we had the VHS, I'd always put it in there. Glory, like you name it. I watched those films um, and I'd have my toys with me and I'd set up battles on the floor and, you know, I'd flick things down and, uh, you know, Legos build like pieces of terrain, right? Um, so I think there needs to be like an upbringing component 
just with a fascination of uniforms, of you know, seeing these people in a line or having them hold shields and like, what what is all this? Like, why are they doing this? Um, so I think there needs to be some sort of fascination with, and I don't want to be. Um, I don't want to come across as like, ooh, this fascination of conflict and war. Like, ooh, I mean, it's macabre. It's gross. Like, why would people want to do this? Uh, but also, like you both have said, like the energy, the, the energy you're putting into having this all done for a terrible outcome to prove, you know, to prove a point. Um, there's also the art aspect of it. Now, going through high school, I was one of two males in the Art Honor Society. Not saying I'm an artist because I'm not. Um, but I always drew everything in in miniature. Like all my drawings were like really small, and I'd get kind of like scolded for for doing that minute effort. So for me, like you know, when I get to hold a miniature and paint it, um, that's you know an outlet for me. So there's that art component to it, um, and then my education. So the education, like when I mentioned before, picking Landwehr as kind of this basic unit, like to paint and buy lots of and and, and research. Like I'm kind of like what you guys have both said, the energy that goes into forming armies to feeding them, training them, um, and what that says about the politics and how warfare is. And I don't want to sound like um, like Moltke or, or any of those great like you know uh, philosophers, uh, military historians, but um, you know it is ultimately the the final kind of straw, if you will. It's, it's the final act of politics. It's the final act of, if we think of societies as organic beings, right, with, think it's people as cells and all these departments as, as different kind of organs of this greater national identity, um, this is the ultimate, like, act. You can't go beyond that. You know, this, you're immobilizing all this effort, you're expending it all to do something in order to maybe prove a point or to take something or, or whatever the reason may be. Um, you know, it's the final act of, of diplomacy, right? It's the final act of, you know, the ability to communicate on a civil level. Um, cause it's just the absolute opposite of all of those things. Um, so that's kind of like where my personal interests go into. And then ultimately, like, you know, we're all gamers, right? We all have our ends on games. So in terms of looking at our fascination, you know, we're, we're taking all these different components, you know, education, upbringing and throwing it into one, um, consolidated, uh, you know, little hobby that we, we have. So it's combining all these things into one, which I really think, uh, you know, we could all sort of share into relative experience. I well, hope I didn't go too long-winded there. <laughs> no, you can never be too long-winded on this podcast. I think I say that to every single guest. So. I think that's an interesting point too, Kelly, because you mentioned the gaming aspect of it. For some people who war game, it is the game, the rules, mm -hmm. the mechanics that really draw them to it. I've war games with people who, who have been interested in doing historical war games but really don't care very much about the his history or the historical accuracy. Uh, they just want to play a fun game. And, and in a lot of cases, they're very competitive too. <laughs> one, of, one of the aspects of the hobby that I'm not the biggest fan of, I think if you're going to be competitive, I think there's so many other hobbies and, and, and sports and stuff that are so much better suited to being competitive than this. But that's a whole other discussion. I'm sure you could do a whole podcast on that. You know, oh, yeah, we, like I'm roll. sure we will. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely it's a great topic for this topic for this type of podcast, by the way. So, all right. So here's a question. I've got a couple of questions, right? So here's something I've always wondered, right? And this is riffing a little bit, Steve, we had just said. And Kelly, you mentioned this as well, like just kind of talking about the element of taking the history or, for example, the sci-fi lore or the fantasy lore, putting all that to the side. Here's one thing I've always wondered, right? Um, okay, so imagine if you took a historical war game and you replaced all the figures of color, different colored blocks and you replaced the terrain with certain geometric features and you told the person, hey, you're going to play this game called Black Powder, but it's about, I don't know, it's about like building factories somewhere or something. So you changed nothing about the game mechanics, but you just sort of frame it differently. What I wonder is, like, would you enjoy playing that, right? Or um, for... Uh, a person, if you remove all that history, right, um, does it really just kind of become about the game? In other words, does the history part even matter? Or are we really just talking about sitting down and having fun playing a game? And I'm curious what your thoughts are. I know that was a little bit uh, out, you know, and it went into a couple of different directions, but I'm just sort of curious about that. And I can tell you why, but I, I'd, I'd rather kind of hear you riff a little first. Games are... Like that, that, that I, mean, I keep going back to like human experience, um, but games are a thing that brings people together, just like food does. And if you notice, like in our hobby, we always talk like, "Yeah, we're going to game, and then we'll go out and get something nice to eat," right? Like that's just a part of the 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 social element um, of of you know being human, right? Like you you want to have fun, you want to communicate with people, and then you want to eat good food. Um, so I, I think there's definitely like that social aspect of it um, that plays pretty heavily. And, and I, I think there. it also depends on personal preference. All mm. of us have different motivations for why we got into this. And if you are someone who is interested in crunching numbers and game mechanics and game theory and all these other things, I don't think the history really matters at all. The history is just a setting. Whereas for me, and I'm, I'm sure the, the situation would be similar for Kelly, it's the spectacle. I, I love mm. to see oh, yeah. my, my interest in history created in a very physical way on a tabletop where you can interact with it and touch it and see it in 3D. That is the, the central force for me. And, and see, I'm on the other end of that spectrum. I don't really care too much about the game. I really don't. I gotcha. I'll play any rule set. I mean, I, there has to be a game. There has to be some kind of structure. But I'm not really too particular outside of that. I just want to put my toy soldiers on the table and play. Yeah. Now, that's a, it's an interesting answer, right? So, so here's another question. I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this before. but So when you're playing a historical war games, and I know we, for our audience out, I know we're really focusing on historical war games right now. So for both of you, like when you're playing a historical war game and you're actually playing the game, are you thinking about the killing or are you thinking about the game mechanics? And again, it's I'm being a little unfair right now because this is a kind of conversation I've had probably with thousands of parents in my life. What do you guys think about? Thinking about the mechanics? Are you thinking about the killing? Or are you just so immersed in the beauty of all the different colors on the table and the trees and the lichen and the felt? What are you thinking about when you're playing Kelly, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, no. I see you nodding. <laughs> you're on the spot. What I, are you thinking about when you play? I think it's a mix of the spectacle of the table and how it looks 
and also the mechanics. Um, was it the the Little Wars game uh, that we play a bit, uh, Live Free or Die? Like, it expli- I think they explicitly say, like, or or at least we've gone over um, within the club, like, when you lose, like, a stand, like, there, there's no guarantee that anyone actually died in that stand. They're just running away. Like, they're, they're just fleeing the field. So, like, I don't know. For for me, like, the yeah, that's macabre. <laughs> like, the killings, I don't want to say, like, never guarantee because it does happen, right? But as as a player, as someone who's sitting there, like I'm thinking about like, okay, is this playing right? Like, is this capturing a feel? And hey, what does it look like? Does it look really good? And are people enjoying themselves? So I'm thinking about like other people's experiences too. Um, so I'll put it this way. I try to be aware of the killing. Yeah. I, 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 I make it an effort to be aware of that. Um, which yes. is, is weird in itself because why on you're doing this for fun and, and you're, you're, you're thinking about death while you're doing it. What the hell's the matter with you? Yeah. I yeah. don't want to sound like I was whitewashing <laughs> before. Um, cause obviously it's a component, but, um, uh, yeah, I guess it's also like being respectful of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. Like when we were kids, Kelly talked about setting up battles with his armies in plastic and, and knocking them down. And we, if we're war gamers, the chances are we probably did that when we were young and we made the shooting noises and the guys, you know, keeling over. And 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 I don't think we were aware of the complexity of that when we were kids. We were kids. Our brains weren't fully developed yet. We didn't really fully understand what it was we were making a game out of another conversation we could have the psychology of, of being a child and being introduced to warfare through movies and toys. But um, I try to be aware of that and it does not detract at all from the experience for me. If anything, it enriches it because I sit there and, and now this game has made me contemplate all these other things. And that is part of the richness of the experience, I think. I, I do want to add that personally, like when it, when playing a game and getting immersed in the experience and thinking about the history of it, I've been wrestling this with more and more as I get further into the 20th century with my historical interests is that I feel slightly more uncomfortable playing more modern wars. Like I, I'm just starting to get in World War II, um, thanks to Steven. But even in doing so, like I feel slightly more uncomfortable doing that like i think the most modern thing i've done is world war one um but i i like knowing how and not that i've ever experienced it but understanding how modern war is fought and how mechanical and destructive it is makes me more apprehensive of I mean, I'm going to game it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I will game World War II. Um, but it makes me more, yeah, I guess apprehensive or, or um, more aware of, of what gaming it means in a, in a like a relative experience. Well, that makes I, sense. I think at a certain point, too, you do have to separate your personal identity from your hobby. I yeah. mean, it is a hobby, ultimately. And it says a lot about us that we've chosen to do this in our spare time and the different wars and armies that we we collect definitely say a little something about us. But I think there's also a danger in reading too deeply into that. Yeah. Um, 
But like Kelly was just saying, I think it's important to war game something like World War II um, to bring up very recent history when, you know, the United States Army invaded Iraq in 2003. Yeah. The drive on Baghdad was a blitzkrieg style offensive. Right. Our armies today are still influenced by the tactics and the weapons of World War II. Yes. yes. So, so here's the. You, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stephen. I was no, just no, go ahead. To, to understand that, if you're going to do that through war gaming, someone has to be the Germans rolling through France or Poland. You know. So and, con- context <laughs> matters, right? So the thing is, and Kelly, I know you have something to say. I'm going to get you. Don't worry. <laughs> context does matter, right? Look, I don't play as much anymore because I'm always running games, right? So context does matter, right? So from at least from my perspective. So I'll tell you a very quick story, right? So as a teacher, I run tons of games for like different schools I've worked for, you know, game clubs and such. And look, you know, when you've got a bunch of students, and this is a true story, you got a bunch of students, we're about to play um, a game um, run actually by myself and a couple of other friends of mine, um, Roland Fricky and John Manning. We're about to play um, Peleliu from World War II. And there is this unbelievable silence at the table with high school students after all the rules are explained and one kid just sort of chimes in, I cannot even imagine what it would have been like to be doing this in real life, which for a student to say that is great because as a teacher, now we get to talk about that, right? Now, again, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be something that's going to come up in just like, you know, a bunch of people getting together to play some bolt action, you know, at a at a comic store. So to me, it's like context definitely, you know, you know, matters. Right. I was going to say something else, too. Um, the reason I kind of asked that question is because I don't know, for me. Steven, you mentioned the word almost like personal preference, right? Or our own personalities and how they kind of connect to these. I mean, look, here's the thing. No parent has ever asked me, is this okay that my kid is doing this in 20 years of teaching? Nobody has ever said that to me. I have at different times told apprehensive students where they're like, oh man, I don't know if I want to play the Germans, right? My point at times has been to a student, well, let me ask you something. If I replace that German tank with a purple dinosaur, named Barney, does it matter, right? Like what, and my, my point in that is whether you're, whether it's Confederate infantry or Union infantry or Roman gladiators or whatever, the bottom line is there's a mechanic that goes with it and you have to roll it, right? So I have definitely made that point. But on the other hand, Kelly, I completely agree with you. And it's a weird conundrum, right? I would never, and I hope everybody out there is hearing this, I would never ask black students to play in an American Civil War game in my school um, and let alone play the Union, let alone play the Confederacy. There's something about that that just makes me unbelievably uncomfortable. But I'm going to sound like a hypocrite now, right? Because there is something about the passage of time. Would I ask those same students to play, you know, something about the Roman era? Who honestly was worse than the Romans, right? Where they didn't even discriminate. They murdered, they killed, they raped. They did horrifying things indiscriminately. So it's like, I guess what I'm saying to both of you guys, it's a conundrum. Because I don't know how many right answers there are. Now, Kelly, I know you have been patiently waiting. No, I was was, kind of 
not as eloquently go the way that you went. Um, I am not eloquent <laughs> compared to you two. I'm like a unsophisticated savage. So continue. No. go ahead. Um, not at all. But um, yeah, the passage of time and, and what you're, I mean, like right in the U S um, there's, there's a, like a lot of issues with national identity going on, right? Like we can't avoid that. Um, but thinking about like our group's little interests and what we've played in the past, like there, I think, and I think, and I, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I think there might be a little bit of romanticization going on, rom- romanticization um, going on with like seeing lines of troops and bright colors and, and seeing like that medieval, like you were mentioning before DBA, like those are colorful armies for medieval periods. Like that's awesome to paint. That's beautiful to see. Um, so I think there's a big mix of things going on into, into what we do, um, into why we do it and why we, you know, might be apprehensive about some things and uh, not others. Well, let me put this out there because that you touched on something I did want to talk about, Kelly, the romantic. It's yeah. not an easy word to <laughs> say. Easy Speaking word. of being eloquent, the, <laughs> the romanticization of, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff and, the war movies of the 60s and the 50s were terrible with this, right? I mean, the, look, the Americans were always the good guys, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong or right or whatever. It just was what it was, John Wayne defending the Alamo and, and you know, whatever. Um, but for me, you were the, the topic is what do you, does your choice of armies and periods say about you? For me, even when I was a kid playing with plastic toy soldiers with a couple friends in my neighborhood, I was always drawn to the bad guys, you know, the quote, quote unquote, bad guys, um, because I always found their story more interesting because the American story was always hashed out and we were always the good guys. And there was a clear justification for why we were doing what we were doing but it was never explained again, at least in some of those older war movies that I watched a lot of when I was a kid, it was never explained why the other side was fighting. Um, now world war two is a little bit of a different story. And I think again, I, I usually don't play the Germans a, because I'm just really not that interested in the army. There are other armies from the war I'm more interested in. Um, but also because of some of the other, uh, in, you know, implications, ramifications of what we're talking about. But I'm talking mainly for earlier periods. Let, we'll take the Alamo, for example. One of the reasons I love the 2004 movie of the Alamo is that they really touch on a lot of the nuance that the John Wayne movie never came close to. They talk about the the, the Mexicans um, fighting in the Alamo for the Texian cause. They talk about some of the motivations of of the Mexicans, why they're doing what they're doing. And people who are always interested in the bad guy in the movie say a lot of the same things, you know, their story's just more interesting because we can all understand why the good guy's doing what he's doing, but why is the bad guy doing what he's doing? That's more interesting to me. So you'll usually find me playing the Mexicans or uh, I don't know, whatever, you know, insert, you know, quote unquote, bad guy army here. I was always more interested in that. And part of the other reason was because my friends always wanted to be the Americans or the good guys, you know, (laughs) so I was kind of forced into it anyway. But that was that was always a big interest for me. 
So I'm going to drop the gauntlet now, right? So, um, question: Have you got you guys play bolt action, or have you ever played bolt action? Yes, all I've right. only played it with you that one time. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, all right, hypothetical situation: It's going to be a doozy. All right, are you ready? Okay. All right, so you go to your local comic store. They're hosting a bolt action tournament, right? You bring your beautifully painted Italian army, let's say, you know, because I know like in in bolt action tournaments, a lot of weird stuff happens. I think they try to do historical matchups, but let's just pretend you bring your Italian army. Um, It's probably not very good. (laughs) Um, You meet the nicest human being in the world. You know, they're opposite you. Their army's in a box. Um, You're talking, you're having a cup of coffee with them. They seem like the nicest person in the world. They open that box up and they enthusiastically talk about the fact that they have painted up um, an SS division and they put them on the table and you've got swastikas every, everywhere and they are talking about their collection of memorabilia and they, you know, again, in the nicest way possible, um, talk about a couple of the atrocities that they commit and you're ready to roll dice against that person. So where does our logic sort of fall that we've kind of, you know, laid out here today? Where does our logic fall with in this particular case? Meaning this person's really into this SS division. Does it kind of mean they're a Nazi? Like, does it kind of mean they're an awful person? Or did they just paint up some toy soldiers they were interested in? And then they're going to go back to their day job as soon as the uh, uh, tournament is over. So this is a doozy. And if you need some time to ponder this, yeah, if you need some time to ponder this, again, and I'm going to piss people off right now, I kind of would go both ways on this. On Mm -hmm. one hand, you're painting toy soldiers and you're rolling dice, right? I mean, in the same sense that, Stephen, you had mentioned earlier, you know, some of the kinds of movies that we're really into, you know, um, on one hand, it's a damn game. But on the other hand it's probably a little bit weird that somebody is so into that particular topic. And let's say that was me, Jared Fishman, right? Whose family basically escaped all that stuff in the early 1900s. Now I'm not saying I'd be offended per se, but like wondering like, Hey, have you kind of thought about how this might land in this public place? I kind of can go both ways on this. The very short answer is yes, I would roll dice with that person because I'm at the store and I have an opponent. Here, this is this is a really messed up thing. I know, yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is my my (laughs) bigger problem would probably be that our bat our match was a historical. That would probably (laughs) be the thing that would bother me. Steven, if 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 (laughs) something doesn't stay what your stance is, it is that point you just made. (laughs) Right? It is a game game. I would definitely have questions. I would. I would roll dice with that person, but I would have questions. Um I don't know. I wouldn't cast any judgments on that person without getting to know them a little better. Maybe pick their brain about why they chose this particular army. Maybe they're really interested in the hedgerow campaign. And, and that, you know, a lot of the German troops fighting in the hedgerows were SS and he mm-hmm. was interested at, about how the Germans fought this fighting with, that's giving them an awful lot of credit. Let's you've said this in the past before. I think we give war gamers a lot way too much credit. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of them think this deeply. Um I don't know. I don't think there is an easy answer to what 
you the, to the question that you just posed. I don't know. I would. I always have questions about those people. I'll just put it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. The 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 enthusiasm is is interesting. I'm interested yeah. in why they're enthusiastic about that. Yeah. What do you? What about you, Kelly? Where's your? Where do you kind of fall on this on this spectrum of question? I. I would probably want to know more about them before I played a game with them. Uh, but I'm also just like more selective about like who I want to play games with and like that type, like, you know, having like the right environment to play a game in. But I would, I would want to know more about them and, and like what makes you feel comfortable, right? You mentioned like they're going to go back to their day job tomorrow, bringing out like miniatures with swastikas painted all over it. Like, um, <laughs> that yeah i would want to know more um I, I, I like another thought i had so like steven you had mentioned like hey uh this is a historic like what's going on here um from like a pure war gamer perspective and like all that stuff like i, I hate going i hate people having like quote unquote elite armies because like what, how many times do you ever go up against elite armies um you know, I wouldn't even consider the SS elite. Um, but just going back to the, the main discussion at hand, um, yeah, I would feel kind of uncomfortable because uh, my background's obviously in like Prussian militarism and how that shaped the 20th century and where it all comes from. Um, so just, just kind of being in that environment would make me uncomfortable, if I'm being honest. Would you play the game? I'd really want to know more about that person. Yeah, you'd have to game. kind of, yeah. Yeah, because I wouldn't, like, mm, mm. Yeah, it's how, a, it, how controversial can I be on this podcast? Well, you can be as controversial as you want, right? Like, People I believe can say if you, anything they if, want. Yeah, you know? like, I believe if you see a Nazi on the street, you should punch them. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so that's like the old school, like. physically assault that person. So that's um, like the old school, like, hardcore punk rock kind of thing. Like, don't show up to my <laughs> show, you know, uh, you know, wearing anything like that. Or else yeah. you're going to get beat up. Yeah, no, yeah, I like get your, that. Your, your ideology lost for a reason and yeah. it shouldn't exist. Which um, makes this question even trickier, right? Like, yeah. it's it's a really, it's a really tough thing that i've been grappling with for a really really long time you know yeah it, so it's it's it, it's tough and like it, you brought up the passage of time before um being someone who's who's very much into ancient military history and, and particularly the romans the romans committed atrocities that would give any other army in any other period of history a run for their money and absolutely I, i'm gonna put this out there and i'm sure there I, I i there are historians that might disagree with me i know that genocide is a term that gets thrown around quite a bit um but caesar's campaign against the gauls had elements of ethnic cleansing genocide and so forth to it. I mean, the Romans ethnically cleansed Gaul and Romanized it. That's what Romanization was. Yes, absolutely. And, and they committed some of the worst atrocities in military history while they were doing it. They enslaved massive parts of the population. I think part of it is that the Celts don't really exist anymore. I mean, yes, they, yeah. Celtic DNA exists in, in the Irish and the Scots and so forth, but parts of France for that matter. Um, but 
the Celts don't really exist as a distinct ethnic group anymore. So I think it's easier to just kind of, and, and again, thousands of years have gone by since. So I think it's just easier to be like, like oh, all right, well, but how deep are you going to get? It's just the Romans, relax, you know? Well, and that's the thing too, like I'll riff off that, like the idea of like how deep do you want to go? I mean, again, like I don't know, like in your own classrooms, what you've said about this in the past, but like for me, like I, one of the things I do say to my students is like, I do try to avoid almost like creating the sort of like almost like top 10 like worst atrocities, right? An atrocity is an atrocity, right? It's just that, and again, Stephen, I think you said this earlier, you know, World War II is sort of that anomaly, right? Like where it is such a clear like you are quote unquote the bad people and we need to beat you. But the bottom line is, I mean, and I challenge any like listeners out there, like do your research, right? In any conflict in any war, you're going to find awful things that happen, right? And again, we can play that game of saying, well, this is more awful than this. But the bottom line is, no matter what army you're playing, they probably did something really bad, right? So I don't know, guys. Um, we've been going for about an hour. I mean, it's a really, really good conversation. I, I don't know. Like, I think we definitely made some headway when it comes to this topic. And what I'll be curious about to our listeners is, when I make this post on Instagram, I'll be curious to see, like, if you want to put some of your own ideas into the comments section, um, you know, uh, the three of us certainly read all of those comments. So I'll be curious to see what people think. Um, here's a question, though. Final points. Are there any final points that either you guys want to put out there for the uh, for the millions and millions of followers of the 20 sided gamified podcast? Um, are there any final points you guys want to make about this particular topic? So, again, what we've been talking about for this pretty much this whole episode is, you know, is your choice of war game um, or whatever it is, sci-fi, fantasy, historical. We talked a lot about historicals. Is your choice of period, is your choice of army, no matter what they did or how they acted, is it really a reflection of you as a person? So do you want to make any final points, any lasting impressions you want to leave um, the uh, the masses? I think it does to an extent. Yeah, I would say it does. Oh, you're you're bold, Kelly. So you're yeah. you're saying it does. Okay. I think it does a little bit. Yeah, because you know, like my collection, right? Like I have Lord of the Rings. I have like all these other worth, you know, whatever. Um, I think if if you looked, then maybe not like specifically at one rule set or one like one army that you have, but maybe at a wider um, collection, if you will, I, I think you will find elements of people's personalities in that. Um, and what their interests are, and I think that does say something about who that who at least like what their interests are. Um, and and maybe if you delve deeper, right, um, you'll you'll find more history about that person and, and who they are. Yeah. What about you, Stephen? Any final thoughts? Final impressions? I think there's definitely an element of that. I think anything you choose to do says something about you, at least on some level. My, I guess, my last thought would be to tell people to be aware of some of these things. Since you are involved in this hobby, um, have the diligence and the respect to maybe think of it in ways that you didn't before. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, don't read too deeply into it. Because I said before, there is a danger in reading too deeply into it as well. Um, so be aware of these things. Uh, be aware that fundamentally what you are making a game of is is a terrible thing ultimately um but don't read too deeply into it yeah it's like that line right like knowing kind of where where that line is you know and again like the the beauty of being the host is i can be 
like ambivalent and I can kind of take both sides or whatever. So, but I will say this, right? Like riffing off of both of those final points, you know, I, w- I went to see, um, like I was saying earlier, I'm a big metalhead. So, um, and I, I, I carried my old ass to uh, Montclair, New Jersey a few weeks ago to see Lamb of God, which interestingly enough, Tilly McManus's brother was at that show, though <laughs> I did not see him. But look, you know, when the show was over, there's always there's always that guy that's at, you know, a metal show. And I just remember kind of going outside and like there was a dude who was in a friend group who clearly had like a T-shirt with a German tank on it. Right. With lots of, um, you know, German slogans on it. The bottom line is what army you play, what you do, what you wear, it is going to say something. And I guess you kind of have to be ready to be able to explain when somebody is like, hey, uh, what's that shirt say? You know, and I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. You know, guys, um, it was awesome doing this, you know, and I hope that um, in the future you guys want to kind of come on and uh, riff about many, many more topics. Do you guys Absol- have fun? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Good. I'm glad. What are you guys doing in the future, by the way? Like, I always love to end the podcast with that, meaning, um, you know, for you guys in your club, which will remain anonymous for the time being, um, you guys painting anything new? Are you working on, you know, playing, a, you know, maybe a new rule set or a new game? I don't know who wants to take that. I'm doing a commission right now for someone, American oh, cool. or Union. I, I, I actually Kelly's the same exact way as I am with this. Kelly and I are actually very good about painting our miniatures. Mm-hmm. We're very good at because we enjoy painting number one, and we recognize how important it is for the spectacle and the enjoyment of the game for everything to be painted. So I'm in a unique situation among war gamers where I actually don't have a lot of my own stuff to paint right now. I just fit. I was talking about the Mexicans before. I just finished uh, Mexican American War Mexicans in 28 millimeter, uh, just for my own sake. It was an army I was interested in painting. Uh, but right now, I'm working on Civil War for um, a friend, someone who's in our club. Um, we've been doing more group games at the club where someone who has both sides of a conflict will host the game and everyone just kind of shows up because we figured that's kind of the best way to approach large scale group games. I know you, you did that with us with the Macedonians and the Romans, but so Mm -hmm. that's kind of the direction we've been going in recently. That's cool. What about you, Cal? What are you working on? Yeah, I'm actually going to plug a company if that's fine because oh, I, I really like plug this away, sir. Yeah, plug away. so um, earlier this year, I spent an exorbitant amount of money on uh, VNV Miniatures Viking 28 millimeter range. Uh, highly recommend them. Uh, they are made in Ukraine. Um, that's why I'm plugging. <laughs> but um, they they are magnificent. They are amazingly detailed. They're fun to put together. Um, and I have about. 20 models left to paint so i'll have like this massive 28 mil 50 model uh viking army to do raven fest or raven feast and um and saga in uh, but after that i need to start fixing the backlog because historicon really added a, a <laughs> this i think this is the first time i've had like a pile of shit like i'm not shameful about it but i do have a pile <laughs> of shame yeah, yeah right right <laughs> and right. i need to get to work on that so um steven and i are going to be doing like an early world war ii project so i'm going to be painting some uh early war germans and i have to get some more stuff for that um i bought world war ii partisans that i'm going to paint as polish resistance home army um and then uh what else 
yeah, and I have a bunch of other smaller things to do. So, so I, so I guess based on our logic, you're like the greatest person in the history of the world. You're painting up some partisans, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People's army, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. So for all of our listeners out there, I hope you really enjoyed. Don't forget, um, definitely check out um, Matt Rendar and Battle Tribe on um, you know the old Instagram. Um, you can go to the HMGS Next Gen Inc. page. Um, whether our website at www.nextgengaming.org, you could go on Instagram and both find out some information about this podcast as well as what NextGen is doing. Um, so again, for all our listeners out there, this was a new format. I don't know about you guys, but I really, really enjoyed doing this. I loved having Absolutely. these guys on. Yeah, it's super fun. So you should definitely be on the lookout for more of these kinds of podcasts kind of coming through the old pipeline. Um, I don't know if I should recommend that you should listen to Slayer's Angel of Death. I mean, again, like it is really like one of the great metal songs. You should probably check it out. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe I don't know. I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you to do that. So, <laughs> all right, because I am not responsible for my actions or my words. All right, everybody. So thank you very much. Have a good one and enjoy your day. Thank you so much for listening to today's 20-sided Gamified podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org. My Instagram handle is HMGS underscore NextGen underscore Inc. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.